Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In episode 38, Sandra Litke gave us a deeper understanding of the practice of yoga and what most Americans know about it barely scratches the surface. Tonight, you'll meet Raj Karki, and we'll go a little deeper into the meaning of yoga, using meditation and sound therapy to heal, and so much more. Welcome to the Peep Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Morak, and on this episode, I'm introducing you to Raj Karki. But first, I want to let you know that my fourth book, The Dark Season, is now available on Amazon and anywhere else books are sold in paperback and on Kindle. It's the sequel to The Tritium Hypothesis. Both stories are about a paranormal investigator named Raina who gets drawn into surprising situations just outside of her comfort zone. I've been told they're fun to read and hard to put down. So I'd be honored if you pick them up. Also, I'm putting a link in the show notes for registration for the Wake County Public Library's Haunted Carolina virtual event. George Mathis and I will be representing INSPIRE, the National Society of Paranormal Investigation and Research, in collaboration with the Ghost Guild for our third annual virtual presentation on Tuesday, October 25th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now back to tonight's topic. Raj Karki is a meditation guru, Vedic astrologer, and singing bowl energy worker based in Durham, North Carolina. I first met Raj at the Body Mind Spirit Expo in Raleigh a few weeks ago. He was my booth neighbor and he was very patient in explaining a variety of things I asked him about, including how he uses singing bowls to help people meditate. I enjoyed talking with him so much that weekend that I was thrilled when he agreed to come on the podcast and share his knowledge with you. Let's dive in with Raj. Hello, Raj. Thanks for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Thank you, Nikki. Um, thanks for inviting me here. So um, this is a great opportunity for me to like share my uh, knowledge. Um, mostly I talk about like Eastern philosophies and such, uh, you know that. So yeah, thank, thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, I, I, I want to get started by talking a little bit about your background. Um, first off, where are you from? So I'm originally from Nepal. Um, basically born and raised, um, but like after age of 22, I've been traveling here and there, um, spent some time uh, in UK, then after that, like I didn't really like the weather, then after uh, that, I moved to California, 
like Boston, like a lot of places. But yeah, um, but uh, the thing is, like I'm doing um, this meditation work, uh, yoga, um, all of the Eastern philosophies. Like I teach as well. So I've been doing this for like seven years now. Um, yeah. What first got you into doing yoga and meditation work specifically? Okay, so basically uh, what happened was that there was a turning point in my life. Um, I got into this severe depression and I needed some way to get out of that. Like I was so, um, so much desperate and uh, I can really feel the people who are depressed, you know, because I've been into that situation. So I was really, really struggling. And uh, at the time I was looking for like um, some way to get out. So I started learning about like some philosophies, the, the how people view the world, uh, this and that. And I started um, with this um, guy called uh, Jay Krishnamurti. I don't know if you ever heard of uh, that guy. Like is uh, uh, from 70s, 60s, I guess. Um, but like he talks about meditation, like how you approach meditation itself, the yoga and all of those uh, philosophies. So it really intrigued me and kind of saved me as well, um, if I can say it. And then after that, like I started like digging more and more about uh, all the philosophies, meditation, yoga, all the practices we've been doing. So, yeah, that was my, like, turning point. And after that, like, I started, like, uh, hey, um, it has some value to it. So why not, like, share to other people as well? Because it kind of saved my life. So maybe, like, it will save another person's life if I can share it to the world, you know? So, yeah, that's, that, that, that was the story, yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. And I'm so glad you found something that you could be passionate about and want to share with everybody else. Um, you, so, so now you teach meditation classes, is that right. correct? Yes, I do. And who usually comes to you for these classes? Uh, so basically, like right, right now in North Carolina, I've been uh, teaching meditation, but like I do often travel a lot and uh, teach meditation in different places as well. But like right now, like North Carolina is where I'm best out of. Mm -hmm. And um, people are more curious, I can see, than, uh, I mean, few people, they come here, uh, come to me, and um, they really want to do the meditation to uh, calm themselves down because they are so stressed. Um, frustrated with life or whatever you know but like most of the people I've seen are they are so much curious like what is this thing you know like why maybe like they have heard somebody doing meditation yoga and such and uh, they are more curious I can see but few people they are like genuinely um, digging into the meditation like how you can calm your mind what uh, is this whole process there are there any methods to it or like how do you do it and but I can see there are, there is a lot of misunderstanding going on around um, because like I've been conversing with people and they are really done that much um, knowledgeable and maybe they have read it somewhere or like somebody taught them and they've been practicing but not uh, in a proper manner you know right 
So when they come to you and you first start teaching them, what, what is kind of the first step or the first few steps to learning meditation? Okay. So basically I, whenever like new person comes to me, I kind of, um, look at them and try to get whatever um, I can get from them to 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 see like what I can really teach or like what I can really give it uh, to them you know basically I observe what they do and um, I try them to observe the surrounding as well so basically the first step would be it's a methodical process so I tell them to like close their eyes and um, try to observe whatever you can uh, hear from the surrounding. So this kind of thing, whenever I do that, like I, I know like what, what uh, people are capable of, like to do the meditation, you know, if they are ready to do those kind of stuff or not, or like, do they need the basic work first and how uh, in tune they are with their mind, you know, how disconnected they are with their mind. So that kind of, it's, it's more like a judgment. That's what I do. And after that, I guide them into certain uh, methods. So one method I, I guide them is to listen to the surrounding. That's the first step. And then go with the breath work. When you breathe in and breathe out, I tell them, hey, um, try to observe the breath work itself. So when you breathe in, your like tummy goes out, right? And when you go um, breathe, breathe out, your uh, chest and tummy goes in. So you try to observe those kind of things, right? So that would be another step. And I tell them, listen to the heartbeat itself. You know? So it's a more like a, a cycle process that I uh, try to make them observe so that uh, they can really see, like if they can pay the attention to all those like uh, uh, moving parts or like in a circular manner or not. So yeah, and then after heart, I tell them to um, focus on their forehead uh, where our third eye chakra is um, and uh, repeat the cycle basically so if they are really capable of doing that then i guide them to other other further process do you find that people have a difficult time just tuning into their surroundings like are other probably a better question is are are there maybe certain personalities that come to you that have more difficulty than others yeah definitely so that is um, the uh, thing I want to observe as well, or I want to observe too, because everybody is very different. Every individual is different. So for some people, this kind of work doesn't uh, really give value. Some people, they are more like a visual person, you know? Um, some people, they are really like, um, like, you need to touch them with the singing balls or like you need to play with them, you know, or some people um, like I've, I've performed um, some like a dancing moment to people as well to show them, you know, uh, that is another only way to do meditation. Like, like I told you uh, when I, I, we met, like we, we can do meditation while talking as well. Because like we observe other people's like movement, uh, the gestures, small details in your face, right? So those are the uh, things uh, 
we can do while doing meditation as well. So everybody is different. So I've found people just to um, have, having difficulty just to like focus on just one aspect of um, sound or one aspect of uh, images, you know, because their mind always wander much. Uh, so they cannot really focus themselves or like uh, pay attention to those kind of stuff. So yeah, everybody is definitely different. And so you mentioned the sound, the singing bowls. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about how you use those and what sound bath therapy is. Okay. So um, first we need to understand the fundamental principle of um, how sound um, plays important role uh, according to the Eastern philosophies. Basically I do have Eastern background. So uh, I, can only talk about the Eastern philosophies, right? So basically, um, in East, what we see is all of this world or whatever you, whatever this is, this whole happening thing is just a vibration or just a sound that is also represented as Om. Whenever you are in like yoga um, or doing meditation, uh, it is, uh, important, uh, quote-unquote, to chant like OM, right? So OM is basically to, to make your body vibrate with the vibration of the universe, right? So that is the philosophy. But um, the Eastern philosophy says, like, this all thing is just a vibration or the sound. So our thought is what making us to differentiate between nature and ourselves, or div uh, there's a division be between nature and ourselves. So if there is no thought or there is a less thought, you see that you are the part of this whole universe. So you dissolve your false ego. And uh, most of the Eastern philosophies are based out on that. So if you are just a vibrating particles in this whole universe or the sound itself, the same sound can be used to heal you uh, or to make you tuned into the meditation. Uh, and the vibration itself can heal uh, your body and your mind. That is the fundamental um, uh, of sound healing therapy. So when, you, when I use a sound ball, uh, like there, there are different types of sound, uh, sound balls or singing balls. Um, one of a kind is when you strike it, like it has a very good ringing or it rings very nicely and the sound is sustained for a very long period of time. And those kind of singing balls, it has different notations in it. Although there's one dominant note, um, but there are like other notes. And so when you strike it and meditate with that, like what I do mean by meditate is you listen to the sound, like the different details of sound, different intricacies of the sound and the ringing, the wobbling effect and all of those. So what you are trying to do at that moment is not try to think that much of whatever going inside your mind. So you are paying very close attention to those kind of details. Mm -hmm. That means you are not inside yourself holding whatever your mind is, but you are throwing, out, throwing, throwing yourself out there to to learn 
about something, right? So it is more like a practice. So that is one way of doing meditation. But um, when I do healing therapy, there are like multiple balls I use um, and then strike it around the body of the people um, by uh, letting sit singing ball on the body itself, use the vibration. So what it does is basically like when you strike the ball, um, there's a lot of vibration. So when you touch um, the touch the ball on the uh, skin or the body of the people, it gives a vibration uh, and the, the blood flow and all of the cells kind of like vibrate with that uh, vibration as well. So that is one way of looking at it. Um, but yeah, there are like a lot of other ways uh, you can look at the singing ball itself or the sound ball therapy. So you are like, say I'm there for sound ball therapy and you, you strike the ball and you put it next to me or touch my skin with it. Then the idea is that I physically resonate with that sound. Is that it? Yes, you can say that. Okay. You can say that. But more than that, uh, it is more like um, being present, right? Okay. So that is the whole idea. That is the whole idea. So um, at that moment, you are not thinking of anything else, right? That is the first thing. So whenever I, like, if you are an individual, individual person that comes um, for the healing session to me, I do have like different um, note balls with different notes in it, different resonance in it. So when you strike that ball at once, your thought, it cannot escape that realm of sound because there are a lot of different details. So you, you your thought is kind of captured inside that uh, periphery, you know? So you are kind of forced, your mind is kind of forced to stay there so that is the first fundamental thing. And then one day after that, the vibration and everything is more like a relaxation, you know. It's more like a dance to the sound itself. So your, your mind relaxes, your body relaxes, and then you feel right here, right now. That is the whole relaxation process. And um, on the top of that, like you said, your body, of course, resonates resonate with the vibration itself. And that's what makes your like whole thing like calming down and you it, you kind of get peace. Okay, that makes sense. So um, when we met, we were at the right. Raleigh Body, Mind, Spirit Expo in August, and you were actually selling the singing bowls, and yes. you told me that you are involved with making them? Yes. Do you want to kind of explain that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So... Um, I make this singing ball since I'm uh, into these healing practices myself. So I need a certain uh, singing balls that is very, um, that, that needed to be in tune with the sound ball therapy. Uh, because like a lot of the singing balls in the market, you see those are more commercialized version of singing balls. But there are so really good singing balls as well. But good singing balls, it is pricey as well. You know? And um, you can find um, like cheaper balls or like less expensive balls in like Amazon, eBay, or those as well. But those are just for basic label um, for meditation work, sound, sound ball. So, um, and since I do the healing work, I, 
I thought like, hey, why not? Like I make my own singing balls that I can really um, put my effort on and make it like what I need mm-hmm. it for myself. So I started doing that and uh, I hire a few people uh, back in Nepal uh, and uh, I tell them, hey, I need like this kind of depth of the ball, this kind of size of the ball, this kind of thickness of the ball and this kind of note of the ball. Or like if I want to add some colors, I'll tell them, hey, I need this kind of color balls. But mostly I do plain um, golden or a little bit darker singing balls. Those are more useful for sound therapies Mm -hmm. uh, or vibrational therapies. So, yeah, that's how I started. And and I've been doing that for, um, I think, like five years now. And I have to say they were beautiful bowls. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> they really were. Um, and you had so many people stopping and and just admiring them and asking how they worked. And it was it was fun to see you work there. Um, so there are a few other things that that you do. And one that kind of caught my attention is Vedic astrology. Yes, I do. So what is the difference between Vedic astrology and Western astrology, and I'm I'm guessing that most of my listeners are are more aware of Western astrology and the the horoscopes that we see in the paper and that right. sort of thing. So um, the major difference is like in the West, uh, our Western astrology it sees sun as a so it's a tropical zodiac system, right? So sun is the main point. Uh, our when you see sun from the earth, like where it stays is um, your uh, zodiac sign or like sun is very, very important in the Western system. But like Eastern or Vedic astrology, moon is seen as a very um, important um, because moon um, reflects our mind. So moon uh, is our mind, we, we say it. And Another major difference is we in Vedic astrology we do have 12 zodiac signs, mm-hmm. like in West, Western, right? But on the top of that, we do have this uh, lunar mansions, we call it nakshatra. So where the moon sits, you know, or when the where the moon is seen at your time of birth, or like when it goes around. So we do have 27 nakshatras or lunar mansions. So uh, I think those are the major um, differences, but there are there are like a lot of other um, things uh, Edison. Uh, as well on the Vedic uh, system. Uh, one is like Dasa, we call it uh, Dasa system. Dasa system is basically um, to figure out like uh, what actually will happen to you in certain period of time. Um, and since you, since your birth, you are into that system, uh, you become that part of the system until your death. So certain period of time is beneficial to you. Certain period of time is not beneficial to you. You can see that. But again, there are like uh, um, minor dasha system inside the dasha system itself. So it is very complicated uh, system in itself. You know, Um, I'm still a learner, Mm -hmm. um, but I do Vedic astrology. Yes. But like there's so much details to it. Like it's just like a whole ocean, you know. So, yeah. (laughs) 
um, I've heard from a, a Western astrologer that I've interviewed that in some parts of the world, astrology is just, it's just part of life. It's not like here it's, it's new age, you know, right. quote unquote. Um, but it's just part of life. So, so you check with your astrologer, like families have astrologers to check with like decisions on when to get married or that sort of thing. Is that, is that true? Yeah, that's, that's entirely true. Um, so in, uh, Indian subcontinent or in, a, I'm from Nepal. So in Nepal as well, we do have this uh, like family, um, astrologer, um, basically they don't only predict, um, uh, the future events, right? Like that's uh, one part of the astrology system. Um, like you said, you, you, you can see like which time is auspicious for you, like to perform certain stuff like marriage or, um, like other, uh, maybe like birth, um, birthday celebration you know mm-hmm. uh, those kind of things so you can um, predict or like see which time is auspicious in what day um, what month and all those so that is the reason like we do have a family astro- astrologer for like because we do have like family family members family member having like different um, birthday or different scenario for themselves you know so yeah yeah that's true that's very cool I, there are a lot of things that um, the Western world just, I wish they'd be more open-minded around here. <laughs> like we, yeah. you know, we, we travel in circles where we meet the more open-minded people, but it just seems like it's, we're still on in the minority as far as that right. goes. So I think, um, um, it's a slow process, you know, mm-hmm. but um, in the East, what we say is like this world is like that, you know. So there are only few people who are leaders or like who are basically like enlightened beings or like more like a, uh, who knows better, you know, like the mass majority of people uh, is always like that, was always like that and will always be like that. But we can hope, you know the better world so yeah yeah that makes sense did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about um not specifically but uh, i would like to touch on uh yoga itself oh yes please and, uh, yeah so uh to talk about yoga so like i said like uh, when i travel a lot like i see i meet a lot of people and um when I meet people, like even uh, some yoga instructors are like um, who are doing meditation for several of years and they come to me and they're like, um, it is not that much beneficial to me. You know, that's, that's their um, approach to it. And I was like, how do you do it? Or do you even know the yoga itself? What the literal meaning of yoga? And they're like, even yoga instructor, you know, that's surprising to me. And they're yeah. like, um, it's a way of life. And I'm like, everything is a way of life. What do you mean by that, <laughs> right? But uh, what's the literal meaning of yoga? So they are they, they are so oblivious about that. Basically, yeah, uh, that I want to touch as well. Um, so yoga, 
the literal meaning of yoga is to unite or to be union with. That's the literal meaning of yoga, right? So the question should arise, what we should be union with or what is there to unite with, right? So like I mentioned earlier, we do have this thought which makes us divide or makes a division between nature and me. Although we grew up this in magnificent being after only consuming like fruits or earth or water, air. So this is the part of that system, you know? So we kind of forget that because of our, of our false sense of ego. And then we fall into this trap of this is just me and that is the world. So my only duty is to um, make this being happier. I didn't care about other world, right? So that's that the division we create. So when you meditate, are there, there, there are, like I said, the different approach of meditation. When you meditate and do it uh, continuously, you kind of feel the sense of your egoness or like, details going away from you you know it, it's, it's more how i would like to describe it to you is like when you throw a rock into the pond there are a lot of ripples right right so when there's a ripple you cannot really see what's going on underneath the pond itself because like it is vibrating the ripple itself right so to see really what's underneath you need to make that ripple go away when it is calm, then you can now see what's going on down there, right? So same goes with the mind as well. So the thought, the, our thoughts are like a ripple. So when you slowly bring it to the peace, you kind of see like you are not the individual, although you do have this individual body, but you are connected with this outer world, in one way or the other, you know, you start to see those kind of details and you feel like, oh my God, like I was so um, stupid, like not seeing that, you know? So when that thought goes away or like becomes at peace, then you become a leaf on the tree, you know, you become very light. So you start to vibrate with the, the wind or the sun or so, so, Basically, what I'm trying to say is like you become the part of this wholeness, not your individualness and trying to like protect yourself. You know, you don't become that. So you just become like, hey, like I'm this part of this whole ecosystem. So why I'm being afraid of what I'm being afraid of. So mm -hmm. that is the union. Right. And you connect yourself with everything else. That is the union in itself because you have united or you have connected with this outer world. You know, that is the uh, literal meaning of yoga and uh, how people should look at it, I guess. So the people who, who practice yoga are only getting, uh, well, I mean, people around here in America, for example, who practice yoga are really only getting part of it because we're, we're being told to calm, calm our mind and focus on our breath as we do the poses, but we're missing that connection. Yes. That you're talking about. Totally. Because uh, here, what I see, um, that's my observation as well. Um, people 
want quick um, way out of something. You know? That's why all these pharmaceuticals companies are flourishing, you know, because even for a small headache, like you, you, you kind of like tend to go with a medication like drugs, you know, why? Come on, like it's a human body, you know, like it, it will, I mean, this magnificent being, it will take care of yourself, you know, like unless you have like very serious uh, disease or whatever, then you mm-hmm. can take care of that with like doctors, medication and stuff. But for small details, come on, like let it, let it breathe in itself too, right? Um, so yeah, um, the asanas are poor postures, like certain yoga postures, they do help because when you do the postures, what you are doing is, Again, like not thinking about a lot of things outside. You know, you are trying to stretch and be into that moment. So when you become into that moment, you are trying yourself to be connected with that union thing, basically. Um, but yoga postures, I think how it got famous is like people want quick get away, you know, are they don't even know uh the, the basically like people suffer that's the whole thing right people suffer people are in pain people don't know how to deal with it so their mind goes like boom 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 always blasting in their head so they want something to come in or they need some drug to calm it down you know mm-hmm. people used to take like medications for that but now People are t- uh, taking this uh, like yoga postures and therapy and such, but it's still a drug, but holistic way. So right. this doesn't damage your system. Uh, pharmaceuticals company, I mean, pharmaceuticals like medication can um, damage or like does have some side effects. So, right? right. So this doesn't have side effects. So that is a good thing about this uh, holistic approach, but it's still that is not the proper cure in itself. You know, you are not going into the root cause of your pain, your suffering. You are just uh, trying to um, get that pain away by taking certain kind of medications like sound therapy or yoga postures like that, you know. So, but um, the good thing about that is uh, people are getting into this holistic approach. That is a very good thing. So only after that, um, they will know or they, they will start to know um, what all of this about. And that's why I think like I'm here to guide them, you know, hey, yeah, you are already into this. So this is the way you, if you approach it, like yeah, that is beneficial for you. And then it is eventually going to be beneficial for the world uh, itself. That makes sense. And I'm glad you're here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I think it's related to yoga, but I am hoping you can clarify for me because there's a word that I've, I've heard a lot and I'm not hundred percent sure if I fully understand it. It's Kundalini. Okay. So what exactly is Kundalini? So Kundalini, there uh, can be several approaches to Kundalini. Um, there's not only one approach. I've seen like uh, only one approach in the West uh, about Kundalini. So Kundalini, um, it does have two words in Kundalini. One is Kunda, one is Lini. So Kundalini, that makes Kundalini. Mm -hmm. Kunda means circular or a pond-like structure, which is circular. 
and it has depth to it too. And Lini means um, which is sleeping or which is like dormant in a state, right? So that is why in Kundalini, you can see um, the serpent um, or like the, the serpent is pretty popular in that Kundalini energy. Uh, so what it uh, means is like the serpent energy, which is kind of coiled, is okay. dormant, it's sleeping um, on your root chakra, right? So the one philosophically one can see it is you are not aware of your existence or your being or this outer world. You are just consumed with your fear, consumed with your greed, you're consumed with your little pleasures, you know. So that kundalini energy is sleeping down there. Okay. Right. So when you strike it, when you like focus on it, when you hear it, or when you meditate on that energy, it kind of the snake, it uh, strikes coming up, it strikes all of your Kundalini chakras. And it meets the Sahasra chakra, which is crown chakra as well. Then when that Kundalini chakra hits the crown chakra, pretty much you get enlightened or like okay. you see the wholeness of it or you become the yogi or become union with the universe. So that is the uh, philosophical approach you can see, but there are like certain postures you can do, you know, um, there are certain um, chantings you can do. There are certain imageries uh, you can look at uh, to get yourself no better with the kundalini energy itself but the, like i said like there's not only one approach to it okay that's really fascinating and thank you for explaining that to me <laughs> yeah absolutely this is mine yeah um i th i think that's it for me as far as questions but if other people have questions and have listened to this and would like to get in touch with you What's the best way to do that? Um, email would be the um, best way to contact me. Okay. My email address is gurukula.nc at gmail.com. Okay. So uh, G-U-R-U-K-U-L-A dot N-C at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Instagram with the same name as well. You can message me on Instagram. Um, yeah, if you guys have any questions, please let me know. Uh, I'll try to clarify myself if you need my services or, of course, I do sell singing balls, beads and stuff. If you need those kind of stuff, uh, I want you to contact me. <laughs> yeah. And I'll make it very easy. I will put your email address in the show notes for this. So when people are listening to this episode, they can just look at the show notes and, and get it from there. So. Sure. Yeah, okay. thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Thank you so much for joining me again. I was it's such a pleasure. I know it's kind of an early morning thing. Um, and it's a great way to start the day. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Raj for sharing his experiences and insights. And thanks to you for listening. If you're interested in sharing your own paranormal experiences, please use the contact form at peeppodcast.com to get in touch. That's P-E-E-P podcast.com. Remember that stands for people experiencing everyday paranormal. You can be as anonymous as you'd like.
while you're there. Sign up for my newsletter. I'll only email it once or twice a month, max, so no worries about being spammed by me. You'll receive briefs on recent episodes, upcoming information on any appearances I might be doing, news, and some additional fun stuff. In fact, I'm taking requests for what you'd like to see included. You can keep up with the show on its Facebook page, facebook.com slash peeppodcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please give it some rating love on your favorite podcast app. Share it with friends and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Doing so will help the podcast be found by others. A huge thank you to everyone who has given the show some love. I truly appreciate it. No matter how you support the show, listening, telling others about it, or any other way, I absolutely appreciate your being here. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe and be well. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.